Sing number 37. How great thou art. Number 37.
same number 40 over red is that faithfulness
Somebody say amen. 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 Did you hear those boys singing? I heard them go, nee, 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 nee. That was nice. They're not shy. Uh, you know what we say? Big is my problem. Big is my problem. And that's how we think. But that song says, great is thy faithfulness. I need to tell you ladies, you were not here, of course, because there's ladies on this side, men on this side. I was telling the guys that uh, there's an answer to several prayers this week. Uh, Nathan and Kristen are in uh, Stanford right now. And uh, her mom is has come over. Maybe she's there already today from Florida. But uh, a lot of the needs have been met because the folks have prayed and they have prayed. A week and a half ago, they were facing a $10,000 copay with MediShare. It's a Christian organization that you you contribute every month. And then when you have a major medical need, they help you. But their copay would have been $10,000 for this procedure for little David. That's a lot of money for anybody. Uh, and so it was like a week and a half ago, and it was kind of like a real downer. And then I think it was past Thursday, Nathan said, guess what? We were approved. We are approved for MedQuest here in Hawaii, which will cover all the stuff, his procedure, uh, related related matters. Uh, I think her travel is covered. And so no more $10,000 copay. That's a blessing. That'll make you Southern Baptist happy. That'll make you say amen once in a while. And that's a real big blessing. It really is. And so that is just a relief. And so um, Nathan will be there, I think, for about a week. And then um, on Friday, uh, Thursday, early morning, if you folks would would pray for David's procedure. Not sure what time, but it's, I, I'm suspecting early morning. If you wouldn't mind um, prayer and fasting, do some praying, do some fasting, maybe skip your breakfast if you're up that early, do something, and uh, tell the Lord that you were gonna trust him for the successful right. surgery. Um, it may not mean anything to the surgeon, like it's, oh, ho-hum, another one, you know, this thing we do 25 a month, whatever they do, it might be kind of old hat to them, but uh, this grandpa is not so not so um, confident that it's old hat because you know he's one of our grandkids. So uh, do pray for them and pray for David. Pray for the surgeon that God will use the surgeon's hands and minds and everybody else involved that it'll be a successful surgery and he will have a life that is normal health-wise. Okay, so do commit yourself to doing that if you can. It won't hurt you. It might do you some good. It might do you some good. All right. Uh, next Sunday is Potluck Sunday, fifth Sunday. And so we'll have the tables out as usual and bring your favorite hot food and uh, maybe something to eat with it besides your hot food. And uh, we'll have a good time. We'll have something playing here on the screen while you're eating. It'll be something about the Holy Land. It's a travel thing. It's a video that Arb uh, put me in touch with. Uh, I reviewed some of it. It looks pretty good. So we'll play that while you're eating so you can watch it at your leisure. And so bring some food that people like to eat, as you know. And I'm looking for that Filipino bread. What's it called? Spanish roll. Spanish roll. <laughs> that is a must. That's all. That's the one, okay? And uh, please cook things when you bring it. Please cook it. Do not bring things that look like it's not cooked. Anyway, it's a potluck, so whatever you want to do. I know what I'm going to do. Okay, and so that's good news. Uh, let's see, Ethan's birthday is on the 30th. We already celebrated that because mom's gonna be gone. And so he is now, how old is he, Joseph? Six? 
Ethan. What is Ethan? Four? four? I knew that. He's not four yet. Okay, he's almost four. All right, so pray for Grandma and Grandpa because um, we have both floors. And uh, Grandma especially needs uh, prayer because she is happy to do what she's doing at the home. But uh, she's busy, 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 which means Grandpa's also busy too, so that she's not so busy. I have washed so many dishes, my, my hands are wrinkled. Looks like prunes. Uh, so, if any of you like to come by and help wash dishes, Help us out. Alright, and so that's next Sunday. So good time to invite somebody to come with you for church. And uh I'll be preaching. Already I know what I'm gonna preach about. And um anyway, you should come. You should come and you should hear. You should come with the heart to listen to the word of God and get something out of it, okay? Alright, uh let's take our Bibles this morning. Stand with me and turn to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter 3. I read some bumper stickers this morning, and it got nowhere. It's like maybe this group, the 1045 group, might appreciate some of these bumper stickers that we don't see anymore nowadays. Uh, here's one that has a spiritual meaning to it. Chaos, panic, disorder. My work here is done. Now, who would say that? Who would do that to a church? Chaos, panic, disorder, my work is done. Could be the one to have these things take place in a home or in a church. Devil. Satan. And that'd be a good one there. I don't think they thought about that. Uh, a day without sunshine is like, you know, night. And then I'll stop a distance since you folks appreciate so much. Reality is the only obstacle to happiness. Think about that. Do you folks think? So think grim. about things. Sorry? That is so grim. Yes, it is so factual. Yeah. You know, kids, they're small. They grow up. Everything is play, fun, park. Took the kids to watch a football game instead. District Park Country. It was the Little League, not Little League, but the Junior Knights. You know, these were 11 and 12 year olds, they say. There was guys tall as Jake and about 30 pounds heavier than Jake. And there were guys the size of... Uh, American Eagle back there, but better looking. <laughs> and they were linemen. I thought, I asked I asked the parent, how old are these kids? 11 and 12. I don't think so. What a check something here, but these guys are slipping in. They're junior high school players. And then we did that and played some fake tennis at the court and uh, did some basketball. One of my neighbors came by, praying for him. His name is Alan, and uh, a new move from New York. He's an ER doctor over at Kaiser and uh, making friends with him. And, uh, you know, I invited him to come play basketball with us. So me and him, me and Alan, we played Joseph and Samuel. Guess who won? On the street. On the street. Street ball. Me and this short Chinese guy, transplant from New York. Guess who won? This is very important spiritually. You know who won? The adults. The adults won. Seven baskets to one. It's two. Just a miles be won, you lost. You know they were thinking? They were mad. Fair, unfair, foul, referee, me. You caught a foul on us? I can't. We won. We <laughs> won. All right, where am I? Oh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. 
Proverbs chapter 3, this is part 2 and conclusion of what I was trying to say last week. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7, contained therein in these three verses is one word that I want to bring upon, uh, bring across to you as the key thought of these verses. Let's look at verse 5, 6, and 7. Let's read together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. We'll stop there, we'll pray. Lord, help us this morning. Help me this morning, because I'm the one talking now. Help me to have my thoughts clear. I have things down in my notes, but sometimes I overlook them, I baptize them. Help me to stay, pay attention to what I've written down, because these are the things I think we should we should hear today, the things I should say. So help me today. Help the listeners, those who are somewhat before me. Help them, Father, to have a ear to listen and a heart to obey. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. All right. Now, uh, last week I want to just tell you by review in chapter 3 several verses talk about the key word to me the key word is verse number 5 trust in the Lord with all thine heart to me that's the key word it's the basis for the other verses in this chapter it is the anchor for the other verses in the chapter last week I said if you trust in him verse 1 you don't forget his words I said in uh, last week chapter 3 verses 2 and 4 if you trust him you will get some blessings because you do trust him in verse number 3, I did say, and I remind you today, if you trust in the Lord, you'll make God's words important to you. You will. I also said in verse number 5 from last Sunday, if you trust the Lord with all your heart, you don't overrule His mind with your mind. You don't overrule His words with your words, with your thinking. I also said last week in verse number 6, if you trust the Lord, you don't ignore Him. And these are some things we find from this chapter based on the, the verse, trust in the Lord. The key word is trust in the Lord. Repeat after me, trust in the Lord. Now I know that we don't do that too much in church. I don't make you repeat after me because it sounds kind of elementary-ish, but I, I'm not trying to make you feel like a child, but I want you to hear yourself say, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You need to do that. I need to do that. If we're gonna practice biblical living, we have to trust in the Lord. We have to trust in God. Now, there's a couple more things to pass on to you from this chapter. Verse number 7. If we're trusting the Lord, we would not be wise in our own eyes. And then it says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. The next thing that should happen to our thinking and in our hearts and in our living is if we really trust the Lord, we will fear the Lord. We will fear God if we trust in Him. We will not live a life of recklessness, a life of... Ah, there's no consequence. I do what I want. I do what I please. And whatever happens, happens. I really don't, don't matter to me. This is my life. I have only so many years to live. I will do what I want to do in this lifetime. That's not how to think. That's not how to live. You and I should live as Christians in the fear of God. There's many verses like that that tells us the fear of God. Let me give you some. Just quote them to you. I have it written down here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting wholeness in the fear of God. That's one verse in 1 Corinthians that tells us if we are to love the Lord and follow Him, we need to fear Him as well as a part of the repertoire of living for God. You need to fear Him and cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. By the way, let me tell you something. Let me, not, let me tell you something. Let me ask you something. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of things in this life, in this world, that can make you filthy and dirty. 
There's a lot of things in this world that you just observe without even trying to find things. It'll make you feel dirty if you're not careful. There's things that you see that'll make you think dirty thoughts, all right? All right? There are things that you hear that'll make you have dirty thoughts. So what's nowadays, remember the old boom box, the ones that weigh about 25 pounds? You, the, you know, the yellow box, what they're called? They, they, you know, after they put this down, they still walk this way because it's so heavy. Now becomes, you know, the little Walkman. Now it's the CD player. Now it's, now it's the phone. Put these earbuds on. Who knows what you're listening to? Yes? Nobody knows. And you do not a courtesy, perhaps. You don't want to insult them. Some of these cars that pass you by, they got the music so loud, their car's vibrating, your car's vibrating, the whole street's vibrating. It's going to be an earthquake pretty soon. It's so loud. They just want to share their music. Oh, that just bothered me so much. They have these local guys go around and the cars bounce around like it's a cartoon. And you look at them, they, they, they give this look. You look at them you, and they do this. What? 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 They give you this what look. What? They're looking for a fight. You dare not stare at them and say, if you do something like that, they'll put in their brakes, step out of that car, and they'll attack you. People go crazy nowadays. Now we put on the headphones so nobody knows what we're listening to. And that could be a real problem for us. You know why? You know why? I think you know why. You can be listening to all kinds of stuff over here. I got this, I got Bluetooth on, see? And you just mind your own business, you think? But you listen to a lot of stuff that's just gonna give you a wicked, filthy thoughts. Corrupt music. I wanna say something to you about that before I move on because that verse is making me think about this. The stuff that you listen to that you should not listen to right over here, which are earbuds, you know that? Now, I guess it'd be for young people especially, but adults too. But we listen to stuff that is just gonna cause them all kind of vile thoughts in our minds, and we are supposed to live in a life that cleanses us from filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Some of you folks have a real hard time being spiritual because you listen to the wrong kind of music. How do you think of getting amens for that? You listen to music that makes you feel carnal. It deadens any kind of enthusiasm you have for God. It makes you just feel like you have, you have no zeal for God because your zeal is in something garbage coming in over here. I don't know why people choose to listen to certain kinds of music. It's not edifying. It's not godly. Doesn't make you want to worship God. Doesn't make you want to talk to somebody else about Jesus Christ. It doesn't make you feel holier. It just makes you feel like, hey, what, 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 what? Bother you, huh? Bother you, what? It's my life, my ears, my headphones. I paid for it. I can do what I want. It makes you feel like that. Imagine somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what you listening to? And you say, what? What you listening to? Why? Bother you. Why do you have that attitude? Now, I'm not saying people, all people do, but why do people quickly, hey, what you listening to? Change the station real quick. What's going on here? I'm just telling you that there are some things that will corrupt you. And he says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, cleanse ourselves. That means you got to do that. You want a miraculous event to take place in your life to shake you up, to make it stop. He says, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting wholeness in the fear of God. If you fear God as a Christian, you might just think twice about certain things. Amen to that? Amen to that. As an old preacher said one time, you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. 
Are we a Presbyterian church or what? Are we Methodist? I don't know what we are sometimes. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Colossians says, Servants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. That's not the hood. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We are to, as Christians, trust the Lord. It is shown in how we fear him. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I'd like to explain to you what fear does for you if you truly fear the Lord. It'll cause something to happen to you. Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of the faith chapter, it should cause you to do some things if you truly, sincerely fear the Lord in the right way. Hebrews 11, verse number 7. Great list of men here and women. By faith Noah, verse 7. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen. The next three words are, moved with fear. God told Noah something in Genesis, and it so impacted Noah he acted upon what God said. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen. It didn't happen. It never happened before. It's something new, yet moved with fear. He was moved with fear. What does that mean? Okay, action took place. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You know what the verse is telling you? When God explained to Noah what he was going to do, I'm going to wipe out this world. You too, unless you build an ark and so on. And he was so, he was so afraid of God doing that, he actually did something. He did what God said to do. It was so unknown, so new, something so radically different. He still did it in him because he feared God and what God said was going to happen. The right kind of fear, the right kind of fear will make you do something because you are afraid of what God said he's going to do, that he will actually do it. Fear of God, the fear of God. He says Noah actually responded and did something because. Now, in chapter 3 of Proverbs and verse number 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. The departing from evil, he does not say depart from the evil one, he says depart from evil. From evil. Depart from evil. Depart from doing evil. Depart from living a life of sinfulness. Depart from it. What does that mean, depart from it? Depart. Departing. Oh, get away from it. Don't be involved with that. Depart from it. It's self-explanatory. Stop doing some things that are evil. Depart from it. Uh, adventurous people take a lot of risks, don't they? I'm not that adventurous. I like to have my feet on the ground. I don't even like um, skateboarding because my feet's off the ground. I like to have my feet on the ground where I can control where I move and go. Stop, run, that kind of thing. Adventurous people, though, get their feet off the ground in literally many ways. Uh, you have extreme sports that people get involved in. It seems to be kind of adventurous. I, as I looked at the videos, whoa! Jumping off this cliff 2,000 feet, flying down there with the with the uh, GoPro camera. It looks like they're flying down like a bullet. 
It looks like they have control. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But they probably think that it's safe because they did it over and over again. There's a guy who was uh, a teacher, uh, a parachuting school kind of thing, taking up students and jumping out. He's done like 4,000 jumps. He's still very confident. He's up there 15,000. Met a couple who went down to uh, North Shore, uh, Kaina Point, and uh, they went out uh, skydiving for the first time, tandem. And uh, they said as they jumped out of the plane and they began to fall to the ground, they said, it's like you're floating. He said, it's so quiet. She said, each one was with uh, a different person. It's so quiet. We're videotaping the whole thing. It's so beautiful up here. We're floating around, we're looking around. It's like, it was so quiet. It is so beautiful. It was so awesome. During the honeymoon, it was so beautiful, so awesome. And then they finally, you know, have to land and end their adventure. Well, I'm sure that was a thrill <laughs> for somebody else. <laughs> like my feet on the ground. Look, you do that kind of stuff, and you do it 4,000 times, you land safely. You think the 4,000th first time you do it again, you land You assume that. Maybe it is safe. It all is on the packing of the chute, they say, and it's all very safe. However, there are some people that just takes risk, they take risk, and uh, they just put their life in jeopardy. Uh, there's guys just who dive off of cliffs, they, they do the somersaults and flipping around and things, and they, they perfectly come in, they must really be good. They jump, but they, they clear, they jump, but they clear the, the rocks below them, and so they know exactly what they're doing. For them it's safe, but that's a risk. Do you believe that things can happen, even in safe things? Sure they can. The more comfortable you feel, the more secure you feel, you got to be careful not to get too at ease and get too comfortable in your own in your way of doing things. Risky, risky behavior, risky adventurous things. They can sometimes have accidents. I don't like to ride roller coasters and things like that because they're made by man. Now I don't think I'm paranoid. When I saw this Asian thing where you go up this big pole and then it kind of pulls open and there's chains. And there's about like 30 riders on each seat. And it goes to the top and they push and it flies open and then it twirls around like that. And then they go, they rise like that because they're going so fast, okay? And then it closes down. And then all of a sudden, that whole thing, this drop tricked out like that. This screams, you can hear it screaming from the ground. They just, it just drops like that and your heart drops too. Okay, fun, adventurous. Uh, go to the hospital afterwards, you know, because of fright and things like that. I mean, fun, 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 maybe so. But you know, sometimes, sometimes I just wonder, the, the principle that I have is anything made by man will have a flaw in it. And some guy mad at somebody doesn't forget to bolt this, bolt that, and it's gonna affect some things. There's a risk. Now, I'm saying, if you don't fear the possibility of something happening, you might get too careless. Now, I'm not paranoid, but I know that I have the right, I respect some things and I fear some things as well. I respect the cop because he's the cop. I respect him and I respect the badge and the uniform. And I know, I know that he has the authority to give me a ticket. I've gotten in my life three tickets and a few parking tickets. Speeding ticket, I had one ticket, HOV lane by myself. I got pulled over by this Japanese cop. I had to mention that because he was. And he's, he's over there, 
I'm in the HAP lane going by the airport. I had just done a good deed for a church member, helped him buy a car. I'm feeling so good. I'm going home, coming up to IF, and rush hour going home. I see an open go left, so I came back in this lane. But as I go on my left lane, this mosquito was there. Japanese cop there, sunglasses. He sees me coming to HAP lane, doesn't see anybody else. He does this to me. You know, that finger's powerful. I, I come back. He, he does this. You. Pulls me over. He says, you know you're in the HOV lane? He says, how many people in this car? And I'm thinking in my sarcastic way, well, how many do you see? It's just me. All right, license the whole thing. Give me a ticket. You can contest him once or less one. I got a speeding ticket. I'm going too fast. Coming to Lake at three, two, same year. I can't believe this. I'm telling you this. Your esteem of me has just gone downhill. Coming down Lake Leakey, 35 mile zone, I'm going 40, 45. I get pulled over twice. Can't believe it. I, I write a letter of, uh, to contest it, and I get a few bucks knocked off, but still yet, I have to pay a bunch of money. I respect the law because of what they can do to me. I fear the law. When it says fear the Lord, it's more than just respect the Lord. You fear him because what he can do in the form of punishment or withholding a blessing from you. I fear that and you should too. You should fear God holding back something that you might get, holding back an answer to prayer that you could have had because of sinful living. You want to respect God and fear him enough for what he could do to you because he has the right to do something to you. As the officer's right to pull me over, God has the right to pull you over if you are violating the speed limit or whatever else. You ought to fear that. Amen. You ought to fear him for that. Yeah. It's a healthy fear. I fear what they can do to me because the state of white behind that badge and I'm not going to escape that if I break the law. Except if you got the right letter in front of your name. You can escape it. If you got the D in front of you, you can do anything and escape it. But normal people, we get, we get punished, and rightfully so, if you break the law. I wish I could catch the graffiti people that do what the graffiti around here. I wish I could catch them in the act. Don't you? Do you not care about people who go around and just flaunt, write all this whatever stuff like that? They get away with it. When do they do these things? I mean, gotta be early morning. Gotta be there's no traffic. How did they get up there? I'd like to catch them red-handed so that they can be punished. I fear the law. I fear the law. I fear what they can do to me. And I, I fear God too. Because what it can do to me. Who who think who what Christian here thinks that you are so precious and so valuable that God could do without you? Who thinks they are so valuable to God that God could not do without you? I mean God could put you on the shelf very easily and not use you for anything. Could. You just don't want to get in that kind of position. So you fear the Lord. Pharaoh did not fear God, did he? Pharaoh did not. We mentioned about Pharaoh today, but not in that context. Pharaoh did not fear God. Yeah, right. You know, he was saying Hawaiian style. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Nine, and then finally ten. Okay, 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 uncle, uncle. And so he just did not fear God. He said he did, but he was kind of faking it. He said he repented, but he's just faking it. A lot of times we do the same thing. We say, but we don't really believe that. We don't really mean that. Oh boy, 
You want to get far from that kind of thinking that you are exempt from God chastising you. Because when God chastises you, you will know it, and you'll suffer some consequence because of it, and you wish you had obeyed him a lot sooner. When it was just a, hey, listen, stop that. You wish you had heard that still small voice a long time ago before he had to say, hey, before he would grab you from the collar, from the back and jerk you this way, say, I told you, now sit in the corner. I told one of the grandkids um, last night, because he was just yakking away, and I try to tell them when they're upstairs, look, don't just say, Grandma, 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 and just begin to talk like they're supposed to, she's supposed to stop, whatever she's doing, and listen to you. I say, wait. Wait till Grandma's done talking to someone else. Grandma's busy. Wait. Walk up to Grandma, stand there, and beg for attention. Just stand there like a little doggy. And wait till grandma acknowledges you and then you say grandma and then you tell her what you want to say that's the right way to do it sometimes when i'm talking with her she's taught me she's doing something in the kitchen they come right up there grandma 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 and you just you just blast her with all and i say wait 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 now there are two grandkids i won't say who they are but there's two grandkids that fears me to death it's a healthy fear they come up to my office i took up my door so it's now wide open. It's like, you know, the Holy Foley's now. <laughs> Anybody can come in. And so I'm over there. I'm doing something or trying to do something or I'm sitting there at least. They come up to me, Grandpa, Grandpa. I could be on the phone. They just come up and just blurt everything out. I look at them like this. And they walk back out. Stay there until I'm done. And you know what? For the first few times, they never thought I meant what I said. Finally, I got real in one of their faces, that real firm, real scary, real uh, like that. And one, two of them, two of them. The first one, I won't tell you the name. The first one, at first thought I was just kidding. I was playing. <laughs> and I gave that boy a spanking one time. It's been a long time, several months ago. And that boy now has such a fear of grandpa. You can see it in the eyes. They come up, before they say anything, they come up to me. It's like you can read your mind. Should I approach his holiness now. Should, should, I, should I do now? And you can see it in the eyes. You can see it in the eyes. And so that one has learned the lesson because that one has got his share of spankings because he kept interrupting and just demanding attention when someone was busy, me, and things like that. Now, I can see it in those two that they have learned a lesson. They, they fear Grandpa, but they love Grandpa. Figure that one out. They fear Grandpa. We have wooden spoons. We've got about seven wooden spoons in our kitchen. They're not for mixing. <laughs> They're for, well, mixing attitude, right? Straighten up. <laughs> and I just go to the, I just go there to the, and I pull them out like that. And you should see the look on those, some kids' faces. All of a sudden, I can look at one of them, and that one that I look at will do this. He'll begin to cry before I did anything. He'll just look at me like, I'm going to get it. He's afraid of me. He's afraid of me. Now, you who, you who are um, uh, the type that say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You're going to hurt your mental condition. That little boy who is afraid of Grandpa with that wooden spoon. Oh, boy, that wooden spoon. There's magic in the wooden spoon. They're, they're acting up. Stop. They don't stop. I go over there, get the spoon out. 
All I do is shove them a spoon. <laughs> and they stop what they're doing. Why? The fear of grandpa is the beginning of behaving right. They know, and I have permission to spank them when they don't pay attention, when they're disobedient. God says, here's my wooden spoon. Here's my word. And if you take heed to my word and fear me in the right way, I don't have to use the spoon. But I'll use the spoon if I need to. And don't you know that God knows when to use that spoon on us? Okay? Sometimes it's called a belt. Speaking of belts, Joey and Rory. Uh, Rory is the guy. Joey is the girl. Joey is now in heaven. Three or four years ago, she had cancer. She died. But Joey wrote a song. Listen to this song. It's going to help you to understand the importance of fearing God. They're both made of leather. They're both made of leather. Both black and thread, fraud and warm. I was brought up to respect them since the day that I was born. One came here from England. It's been handled down for years. The other one was ordered from a catalog at Sears. When my mama read to me, well, I was well into my teens and I thought all the other one was, uh, what for was to hold up daddy's jeans. Clue, both in a leather, one was red, one was to hold up daddy's jeans, he thought. Clue, till I told a lie and learned it had another purpose too. And behind the shed, my daddy said, does it hurt me more than you? Are you getting the picture here? Cause one had my daddy's name on it. The other said, King James. With love, they taught me lessons, but we feared them both the same. One led us to heaven and the other hurt like blank. But those were the days when kids were raised with a Bible and a belt. Now, wouldn't that be good today? If people had respect and fear of God like, like he learned. He learned the hard way. He had to have a leather belt to help him to understand the fear of daddy. And that man grew up to never break the law. He grew up to never disrespect authority, etc. Okay? You realize that people today, they don't fear God, and that's why they don't get saved. Look, a man today in modern America, they know about Jesus Christ. They know about hell. They know about heaven. They know about the cross. Why don't they get saved? They just don't believe God's going to send them to hell. Right. If they did, they'd get saved. Right. Listen, if I, if I were to dangle, if this, if this offering bowl was a hibachi, and if I were to dangle uh, something over it, like, uh, what can I say? If this was you, a miniature you, if I were to dangle you over this like that, and um, you being up here, depending upon me holding up here, would you not beg me to hold you? Would you not beg me to don't drop me? Oh, please don't drop me. Oh, don't get tickled. Don't drop me. Would you not beg me if I had all authority over you and I could send you there if I chose to? Would you not be in a position of begging and not giving me orders? Would you not think I better I better behave myself? I better hope for a second. Please give me another chance. Please, I'm so sorry that I was wrong and I was... Wouldn't you be that kind of... With that attitude? Or would you give me would you give me a fist and say you better not or I'll get mad at you? How dare you drop me into this pit? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? I thought you were in love. 
how dare you drop me into the sink? You wouldn't have that attitude. If you feared the hand that held you from dropping properly, you'd ask for mercy, wouldn't you? You'd ask for mercy. Look, when you're before the judge and you have no case, you have nothing to do, no one to testify on your behalf, you are cooked. 25 years to 30 years. I mean, you're cooked. Except for one thing. You got something to say to me, son? Your Honor, I am guilty. There's nothing I can say. I'm so sorry for what I've done. But I can't undo what I've done. And if I had another chance, I would completely do the right thing. I would think twice and you would give every reason why the judge should have mercy upon you. And judge, I, I can't even look at you, judge. But if, wow. if you give me another chance, I promise you, before God and before men and everybody else, I promise you, I will, I will do everything you tell me to do. I'll go to these classes. I'll take these courses. I'll get mentored by the right kind of man. I promise you, Judge, I will do everything possible. I, I will work. I will get a job. I won't be living with it. I will, I, I'll do everything that you tell me to do. I, judge, I don't want to go to prison for 25 years. I'm only 22. G judge, if I go, oh, please, and you start to cry. And the judge looks at you with a very stern face. He says, you, you're telling me that if I give you a break, you're going to do what I say to do? You telling me that, boy? Yes, Your Honor. Now, you're seeing your life gone before you. You're seeing your life before a judge has all authority over your life. Your future is in his hands, and you're seeing that, and you said, I have no bargaining chip. I'm at his mercy. Judge, please, please, I promise you, God, God, judge, I promise you, I would do <laughs> You got nothing else to say. You know what the judge says? You know, I don't do this too much. Because I think all you people who are in this position, you tend to beg like you beg. And after you get some relief, you just go back to your old ways again. I've seen that happen too many times. It's happened to me. And I'm inclined not to have any mercy on you, young man. And you break down, you cry, you hit the floor, you just you, you see life gone. It's all gone. But then it tells you, but I think I'll take a chance on you. And I will sentence you to community service and everything else that goes along with that so that you have accountability and so on. You know why the judge did that? Because the judge really felt, he was convinced, he just he just felt like this guy was really, really humbled himself, he's repentant, and he really fears him. And if he had a second chance, this judge feels like, I'll give him a second chance. But he says, if you, if you ever back down, I will throw the book at you. Yes, you are, yes, you are. You know there's a man in the Bible like that? There's a man in the Bible who had the same kind of thing. This man was the fourth son of David, and he wanted to be the king. There's only one problem. Solomon was already on the throne. He was already the king. That was God's choice and David's choice. But Adonijah wanted to take over and be on the throne. David and Solomon found out, and this guy scrammed to the, to the altar, and he grabbed the horns of the altar, and he just hung onto the horns of the altar, and when David found that out, he says, you know, bring him over here to me. And he said this, listen, if you ever have a thought in your head again of taking over my throne, I'm going to kill you. You got that? Adonijah was scared to death. He feared the king. That's why he ran and grabbed the horns of the altar because he knew that Solomon would execute him. He wasn't playing around. He wasn't just saying, now, be nice or else. 
He was saying, off with your head. If you have that thought in your mind again. If you have that thought in your mind again, I'll take off your head so you don't have that thought again. Adonijah was begging for mercy. And Samuel, uh, Solomon gave mercy. That's the fear of the king. And when you fear God properly, you'll react properly and accordingly. Oh, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Christians sometimes can be the worst offenders when it comes to not fearing God. We just live a reckless life and we just do not think that God ever do something like that to us. A Christian who is trusting in God will fear God properly. You'll figure. Now, I, I got one more thing to tell you. I got 10 more minutes. I got 15 minutes. I got a half an hour. We're going to lock the doors. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at verse number 8. One more, one more point about trusting in the Lord. Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barn be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. There's actually two more things. Verse 11, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father the son in whom he delighted. Now, those are two things there. The first one is about honoring the Lord with thy substance. This would be in an agricultural context in which whatever you raise, whatever you grow, whatever your crop is, whatever your harvest is, you give God your portion or his portion, which will be the first fruit, the best part of the harvest. You give the first part to God. So we translate it into modern times as to giving, say, your tithe, for example, to the local church. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now, I will tell you something that you who believe in tithing to your church, you believe that because, maybe not because of this verse directly, but because you see it in the New Testament. Now, there's all kinds of arguments about tithing. We don't really tithe today. There's really a triple tithe that we are just giving a part of it only. Oh, that's probably true too. But I'm saying the fact that he says, on the Lord, if you trust God, you will honor him with your substance. Faith is trusting God to take care of you because you take care of what you should take care of in obedience to him. Um, let me tell you this. I have a rule. My personality comes through and sometimes it's to my detriment. My weakness, my weakness is one weakness as a pastor, as a man, it's very evident to me. I don't like to bring up some things because I feel very self-conscious about things. I've always been that way. I haven't gotten over it. Therefore, I shy away from subjects that I'm not comfortable talking about because I'm afraid of what people think. Now, think with me about this. I shy away from subjects because I don't, I'm afraid of what people think about what I'm thinking. But I should not think that way. Because it does say what it says. And for since 1972, for, since 1973, since 1973, I have practiced verse number nine. Disregarding any context, disregarding any um, uh, dispensation, disregarding all of that. Just believing that I should honor the Lord with what I earned, because I'm not a farmer, <laughs> far from it. But I did work a job at that time as a single man, and I, I tithed to God, to my church, because of verse number nine. I was reading Proverbs, I came across that verse, just reading it at home, 
Came up with that wrestle. What in the world does that mean? I'm afraid I know what that means. <laughs> substance. Well, I had no concordance even back then. I kind of figured substance is something that you can touch. Substance. It wasn't something spiritual. So the short story is I began to give part of my paycheck to my local church. And uh, I was scared at first. I was nervous because I thought I couldn't afford to give a tithe to my church. I really was. I was literally afraid of giving a tithe. But as I watched people in church give their give something in the offerings and went around the church, I thought, well, is that what is that about? And I began to figure out they were giving an offering of some sort. And so I began to give a tithe to my church. And you know, here's how I tithe. Look at how much I made my first job. You won't believe this. I made this much. My first paycheck, I made this much. I was so proud of that. I was so proud of that, I made this much. Twice a week, I made this much as a single guy back in the early 70s. I was so proud of it. This is how much I made. Now, that I'm going to write down is what some of you make in a minute. I made that in a week. I was so proud of that. I helped my family. I gave my whole paycheck to my mother and to my dad. After a while, uh, they let me keep the check. And so I had just become a Christian and I was making that. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what I did? I gave as a tithe. I wrote on a check, my own checkbook for that. Now you say, well, something's wrong with that. Well, what's wrong with that? You say, well, now this was this was my, and then this was before deductions from the paycheck. You say, well, that was not right. Maybe not, maybe not. But that's what I thought it meant. First fruits to me, first fruits. I took it like that, and so I began to give my tithe off my paycheck, that off the top. And then after I saw all the deductions, I said, whoa, <laughs> got to pay for my car, got to pay for this, got to pay for that. I thought I can't do that. I was just ignorant and stupid. I just had a little bit of a little bit of faith in God. I began to do that. You know what? That has changed over the years, but I have not changed doing whatever over the years. So it, let me just make it real plain to you. If if this was what I made, you know what I did? I did this. Automatic. If this increased, that increased. Automatic. Automatic. I did not even pray about giving my tithe to church. I didn't even pray. That sounds crazy. You know what? If it's a matter of obedience, I don't have to pray about obeying. I just obey. Right? No, I know you folks don't. You look at me like, what? What? No, I'm just saying that's me. Now, however you do it, I don't know. And I don't, I really don't know. But I'm just saying, when I hear the word, read the word, first fruits, I give the Lord the top. The top. And I will tell you something. Over all of these years, since 1972 or three, doing it, I don't even think about it. My wife just writes out the check, it's automatic. We support missionaries personally, she writes it out after that. We pay whatever we gotta pay after that and everything comes in its order. Because I want to honor the Lord my substance. And I will say to you, part of, part of trusting God is to let him show that he will honor you because you honor him with your substance. I am so, I, listen, I am so, the word is not proud. The word is maybe honored or maybe even pleased that there's people in this church that do that. I do not know who you are, but I know it happens. I know most people give 
uh, a tithe off of after all the tax are taken out. I'm not going to complain about that. I mean, that's continuing God and always is. But I'm just saying, uh, as for me and my house, we will continue that. If things fall apart, whatever I have as an income, I will still give off the top. I'm not changing that. I'm not going to deviate from that. If I make extra aside, you know what I do? It shows up as an offering, as a tithe from that. I did some painting for a friend in Diamond Head and uh, several hours of work, and so she paid me for whatever I do. And um, when somebody asks me to do work like that, if it's not a church member like that, I say, okay, well, how much do you charge? They say, I say, well, pay me what you think. I always leave it like that because you might earn more. <laughs> it's like a car wash. If you say car is $5, that's all you get. You say car wash donation, they give you more. Because they don't want to be cheapskates. You understand that? That's true. I said, whatever you want to pay me for. And so I did this horrible job. I mean, it was a horrible. I had to prepare the outside, the exterior paint job. Oh, it was so horrible. The sun had beaten up as alligators all over the place. Uh, alligator paint, not alligators. But I had to scrape everything off. It was horrible. Sanding. Oh, it took me a long, took me a week to prep the side of that house facing the east. Just once I took me a week. It was, it was horrible. It was high. I thought, why did I even do this? Why did it? Oh, this is not. I'm driving back and forth from Aia to Aia County to um, Kahala, and I'm thinking, oh, this is not worth it. It's going to be forever. Okay, finally get the primate after I prepped it, primate and, and paint it, two coats and everything. And then we go into the garage, it's all this peeling up paint because the previous painter had not primed the wood. So all the paint's lifting up. So I do all that up and down ladders, up and down, take forever. And so she paid me for that. Whatever she paid me, you know what I did? Without thinking about, without praying about, whatever she paid me, I took out for my tithe to my church. Automatic. Whatever I earn on the side, I do that. It's not a religious thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a trust thing. I trust God to meet my needs, my wife, my family, and I do that as a routine, as a matter of just being faithful to God. Because I say I trust him, I'm going to show him that I trust him. Oh, you don't know. Of course, how would you know? I would not know your condition, your situation. How would I know? But you just don't know how things are sometimes. We, now this is not a complaint. This is an observation for your edification. We try to cut down on our food every month. Our Costco shopping has cut down way back. Why are we buying this? And we, no, no, I don't think we should get that. We don't need that. There's some stuff I want to get, I don't buy. You know why? Because things are more expensive, as you know. The tray of mochi at Costco. Oh, I love mochi. The one that got fillings inside. Used to buy that because we could. I don't buy it anymore. To me, it's a waste of money now. And all kind of things. We try to be good stewards and be more frugal because at the end of the month, I look at what we spent for grocery. I'm thinking, how much? We, what? Oh, wait a minute. So we keep, I keep good tracks so we don't go over a certain amount anymore because things are much tighter for everybody. Therefore, why should I put myself in a place where I have to have a hardship of some kind? I'm not going to cut back giving to the Lord for the sake of me spending X amount of dollars for groceries. Now, sometimes you can't help it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, this is, I'm just saying that I have to be responsible so that I don't jeopardize what I need to do for what it's worth. He says here, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all that increase. That's how it plays out. I cut back on trips in my car. 
I, I try to gang things together so that I don't have to duplicate running around all over creation. We wait the next day to do something two or three times a day, same place, save on some gas. I cannot be, and neither can you be foolish and waste things just because you think you can. Do we eat out? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. My wife lost Panda. I don't know why. She loves Panda. You know, Panda's prices have gone up. And so sometimes I'm feeling like, oh, you know, my wife worked really hard, you know, last, last year, so I'm going to treat out the Pandas. <laughs> so I go, you want to get some? Oh, yeah, please. Take it to Pandas. I'll buy her two plates. Out of two plates, we get four meals. Okay? But I go the last time, put my card in there. $22.95. I'm thinking to myself, for two plates, take up $22 and whatever cents. I say, I say to myself, this is the last time. And you know McDonald's, you go to McDonald's, get you a happy meal or a sad meal or a grieving meal or some kind of meal. Those, those things pile up. One time I took the grandkids out for something. I thought, yeah, you know, I'll take them out after visitation, things like that, you know. It's like I went to Ruth's Chris. It's like unbelievable the price have gone up. So we don't go out to eat a whole lot. Um, went out, took somebody out to um, Zippy's down here. Oh, the, the Spanish pastor that was here. His wife took him out on Wednesday night just to fellowship, talk with them, paid their bill. I'm thinking, whoa, if I knew this, I'd make them, I'd make them go home hungry, you know. I asked them after church, you guys had any dinner? Oh, no, we didn't have a chance to eat yet. I said, okay, you know what? Come with us after church. They didn't argue with me. We took them down to Zippy's right up here because it's the closest thing. And so had a real good time, enjoyed them a lot. And then um, I saw the bill and I said, oh, okay, this means something to us because that means it, 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 it keeps us doing something else, you know, for other things, which is fine. I'm just saying to you that I'm not going to, I'm not going to not do what I should do about that by doing other things. You be wise and figure things out for yourself. Last thing, last thing. Let's end on a good positive note. I want you to go home happy. <laughs> Verse 11, despise not the chastening of the Lord. You need to be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord, here's the reason why, for whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. Now, when the Lord spanks you, corrects you, disciplines you, no one likes it. Hebrews talks about the people heads to hang down and you know, you're grieved. No, no one's happy about that. That's all true. That's all true, but uh, if you if you're trusting the Lord, sometimes when it when He has to clobber you, it's because He has to. It's because He has to. You have forced His hand to clobber you, and you are the one that caused Him to do that. So you need to stop, examine your life, make sure that you're in a position where He doesn't have to chastise you. Don't get hard-hearted. Is all I can tell you. Don't get hard-hearted. Don't don't. Put yourself where God has to chastise you. Um, I'll, I'll close with this one. Having grandkids is a blessing because a lot of sermon illustrations in grandkids. <laughs> or in kids. One or two of them are close to getting clobbered by grandpa. Not here, not right now. But maybe they are the ones here, but not right now. What they're doing, anything now. I'm just saying, the, the nature of kids is that they do things that irritate you. And they do things sometimes to give you this impression like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. They give the attitude like, 
I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. Because I said so. You know, it's, it's the attitude I'm looking at. I was looking at the attitude. And sometimes kids in general, they can give you this impression like they're cruising for a bruising. They're asking for it. They want attention. And the attention that they're going to get, they don't want. But they're begging for it. All right. They're begging for the belt to come off and the whack, 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 the leather part. You know, they're begging for that. But they don't really want that. But when they get it afterwards, they're so, they're so lovey-dovey compliant. They come up to you, my grandpa, my grandpa. One of the younger ones comes up to me every morning. Grandpa, I haven't given him a hug yet. There's another boy, well, this is difficult. Another boy used to give me this look, like, he didn't know how to articulate his resentment. This, this boy, unnamed boy, that I know very well. This unnamed boy used to give me this attitude. I can smell attitude. And then that boy had gotten the spoon treatment about the spoon treatment. The first time he was like, oh, I can't believe you're gonna spank me. Whack, whack, whack. Don't yell, don't scream. I'll spank you again. And it happened two or three times. Now, several months have passed since those events of encouragement. And that boy has a look in his face like, He's always wanted to please me. When he asks for something, it's not a demand. It's not a right. It's not an entitlement. It's please, please. And he's like that. The whole attitude has changed. I'm just saying that was a part of it. Now he would look back as he grows older. It was so good for Grandpa to have spanked me. At the time, I didn't like it because it hurt so much. But now I have learned what pleases Grandpa, what displeases him. I know how to please him. Now, I'll never get a spank from Grandpa again. Now, maybe from his father, for sure, yes. But not from Grandpa. Do not despise God's chastening. It's for our good. That boy likely, I'm going to guess, I'm not a prophet, that boy likely would not get into any more trouble, at least with Grandpa, because he's learned the lesson. Some of us need to be careful not to force God's hand to chastise us just so we learn the lesson. Learn the lesson from other people's examples. These are some things you find in Proverbs chapter 3 about trusting in God. These things are true. These things are real. If I were you, I would do what the Bible says. Amen? Lord, we pray for your blessings on the church. We're not about following people with a camera, with a phone, showing them something they've done wrong. We're not about that. It's not our business. Our business is to help people to live like Jesus Christ would and to be the type of Christian that honors your name. So I hope that these things, these examples, these verses would help us to that end. We need to live before you as unto you each day of our lives. Not because someone's watching over us, but because you're watching over us. Not because there's money involved or a 
blessing is involved, but because of the relationship we have with you. So help us, Lord, to live as we should before you. Your word is true, your word is real, and we pray that you help us to follow it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.